You are now listening to the Dream Loud Podcast. Join us as we explore the significance of following your dreams. We hope you'll enjoy the ride. So, like, we go to this huge monument, and we're, like, checking it out, and there's all these kids there. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Get off my lawn. Dude, we're looking for Pokemon. Because everybody's, like, walking around on their phones like zombies. I'm like, for real? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. What's a rare one? They're like, dude, supposedly there's a Pikachu around here. And I'm like, oh. So, like, we're, like, getting on the boat, and I'm, like, pushing it off. You push the Pikachu off? Well, no, we're pushing the boat off. And I have Snapchat recording on my phone. I'm like, Pikachu! Everybody just starts running. (laughs) I love it. So funny. Well, um, you guys ready to go? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Dream Loud podcast. As always, here I am. I'm your host, Benjamin Hall. We got no video this week. I'm sorry. sorry. So we're we're taking a step backwards because we don't have Lee with us currently. And I don't have a camera. So, yeah, sorry. We're not going to. We'll still have pictures and stuff like that, but no video this week. You don't Uh, get to see our ugly mug. I know. (laughs) Uh, I do have to. I do want to give a shout out to Lee, um, even though this will be two episodes in the future from you guys will have already seen the promo for Jake Walsby's episode going out. So this is a little bit after the fact, but I just wanted to say big thanks to Lee. He worked really hard. He, he did all the video that you saw from that episode and from, and from flicks Flicks episode that will be coming or that came out last week. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. We're a little, we're a little in the future, but oriented. Right. Uh, And you know, I was <laughs> just to come clean. I was a little bit hard on Lee about, oh, you know, like uh, doing revisions on the video and he took it in stride and was great about it. So nice. thanks, Lee. Uh, go check out his work at Bare Hand Studio. Yeah. Uh, on Facebook. I don't. Th- does he, he have a website? On, he does have a website. I'm not yeah. sure what it is, but you can definitely, definitely find it on through Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. So thank you, Lee. Uh, he's not here with us this week, so let me introduce the rest of the panel. Uh, we've got to my right, Amanda Shifo. Hello. And to her right, Dan Shifo. Yo, what's going on, everyone? And <laughs> we've got a very special guest. Very special guest. Welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us, Mike Adamson. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're what's welcome, going on, man. Mike. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming yeah. on. We appreciate it. We, uh, it's, uh, you know, Mike's a, a very, very good friend of ours from church, and uh, he has an awesome story, and, and we're really excited to, to bring it for you. We, we're huge fans of his story, and, and we hope you guys can take, take from it and learn from it. Yeah, man. So I was, I was telling uh, Mike, the first thing I said to him whenever I came in the door was, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't wear my red beanie because I have the exact same one as Mike. Well, good thing we're not you, recording it. And you, well, you wore yeah, it. Yeah, but I have pictures, oh, so it's all right. You wore it for one of the recent episodes. I'm a, it, it, I think it was Jake's episode. It was one of those episodes. I'm pretty sure. I think it was Jake's it, episode where you wore the red beanie and it looks beanie. very, very similar to Mike, so if you uh, look on Facebook, well, you know what they say: great minds think alike. That's true. Right. Yeah, I like to think that. Absolutely. So, look at that fist bump for, <laughs> for nobody on video. I'm gonna I'm gonna narrate all of the video. They just gave a fist yeah. bump. Yeah, <laughs> please please go ahead. Um, yeah, I'll narrate that. Yeah, that'll, well, get I, I just, that'll get old in a while. So, Mike, uh, we've only really hung out like a couple times. Going yeah, on, Mike. Mostly at, mostly at church. 
But uh, that's where Mike. Well, like that's where Mike and I hang out. But but Mike is 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 we always hang out at you know here at our house or at yeah. other you know at other people's houses too. Uh, we we've been going to City Reach for a little bit less than a year. Ben directed us there, mm-hmm. um, and we and we met Mike and and just became quick friends, real fast friends. Um, you know, and he comes over very you know often, and, and we play you know we. Uh, play drums and guitar and sing in our basement and worship music uh, in our basement. A lot of it, and and at other you know at other places too, at a handful of other houses and and um, yeah, just kind of bonded real quick. Mike's awesome and, yeah. and it's great. And um, I don't even you know the story that that we're gonna tell. Like I can't even fathom it. I yeah. because like I just can't, it's just such a great story, but I can't even fathom that Mike. And I'm really glad that that Mike is not here. Um, you know, but that, but yeah, no, Mike's makes awesome. two of us. Yeah, 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 right, exactly. I'm getting confused. Like, what, what Mike is going on? We've got, <laughs> well, well, we've got we're talking into microphones. We've got Mike on we're the talking podcast. Four mics. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great story and you'll, and you'll hear a lot of that. But I, I'm sure, you know, my wife has a well, lot Well, I can to, attest to these two saying that, um, you know, from the first time I met you, I could just tell that you're all around like great guys. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that you could be out here. Then I could finally get a chance to hang out. We and... bonded through music. Uh, we tried to bond through movies. I mean, you're, a, me- you're a metalhead, <laughs> yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Hard rock or metalhead? Oh, yeah. oh we'll definitely bond over that. Yes. Metalhead, but I got this like, which Dan and I kind of just had like a recent <laughs> kind of like. I love it. I love it. Great thing I've just discovered about him that yeah, he's man. also discovered about me. I have this like weakness like inbred somewhere into yeah, me yeah. that is Kid Rock. Yeah. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. I never knew this about Dan. Well, maybe not like, oh, oh totally. Like his first album. He's going to be the um, president one day. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. T- <laughs> I will totally vote for him. But I think um, it's not so much like I love Kid Rock now, but I think every, I think it's the time period in the era and where you grew up. Yeah. And everybody mm-hmm. loved Devil Without a Cause. Yeah. That was um, good. Good album. Yeah, sure. Right. See, and, and, um, even the second album, um, I still don't know what to think about him. Like, yeah, I'm like, this guy is white trash, but he's cool, but he hangs out with Limp Bizkit, but yeah. he's like, and, and you know, that was like, the time period. It was the, the time period. Limp Bizkit and, and, you know, Korn obviously. And, um, but yeah, I think, I think that that is really what that, you know, what, with, with the kid rock and I, I kind of fell out. It was really after his second disc. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he, but, he recently just came out with something, didn't he? I don't even know what it is. He, I, he has several albums. I yeah. just found out. You he went had. on a Kid Rock cruise, which is <laughs> was wait, 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 what? Yeah, it was. Uh, Please talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't anything quite. Okay, okay, as okay. Much as you. Think. I just want to look on Facebook and see this picture of you, like with your all around Kid Rock, they, like hanging out, and they still have multiple cruises every year really yep wow the kid rock cruise it's a carnival <coughs> cruise line okay that they pack full of but he seems kid like that he seems like the type of artist and genre that would really uh have people gravitate towards that or that type of person where yeah. this isn't it's like the kid rock experience it's like i know my music isn't the best <laughs> but the party's gonna be lit you know well, like that's yeah, kind of what it is totally and you know we're yeah and and the the ship is gonna be on fire by the time that we you know yeah kind of one of those let me we, tell you if you guys ever get a chance to go on ship rock or something like that you played we, that we did yeah. play that but it was it's so much fun yeah like you get to meet all of the bands, hang out with pretty much everybody, and it's just a gr- it's a great atmosphere. Were, like I was, I was honestly a little bit worried uh, that it would be like 
the center of debauchery, debauchery sure, in sure. the earth. But it, it wasn't like that at all, really. Uh, it was just the people debauchery having, at sea. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, most of the people to be able to afford that, yeah. they're a little bit older in life, so they know how to make wiser decisions, I think. Yeah, if it was yeah. a bunch of teenagers, it would be maybe different. But yeah. when you get 30-somethings, it's right. a little I gotta bit more say, mature. that's how the Kid Rock cruise was. Yeah, that's the 30, awesome. The 30-somethings yeah. and the, yeah. No, like the 20s. Oh, <laughs> oh was it? Okay. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Was it? Okay. Yeah. So that's awesome. <laughs> well, he wins some. You can't. They all can't be singers. Yeah, as uh, Les Claypool says. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you'd like to add uh, about about our good friend Mike? Well, I was just thinking about all the wonderful Snapchats I get from Mike. Yeah, you especially guys, after you guys. You guys are so hip with your, your social media. Oh, yeah, 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 we're, no, we're old oh, men. man, we're being left in the dust. Oh, totally. Yeah, <laughs> this dude. guy is like the king of Snapchats. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. Rough. It's pretty oh, yeah. impressive. Yeah, but the after he found out that Dan loved Kid Rock, <laughs> like it was like three days of nothing but him rapping Kid Rock. Really? Well, there into was like Snapchat. what else? Was awesome. there, like there was Kid Rock. There was some rap in there too. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, we, I like some yeah. late eighties, early and then yeah, rap, okay, like, Africa from Toto. Of course, oh, the other day Backstreet Boys, which was awesome. This is all through Snapchat. Today, I had one today, and I can't remember what it was. You oh, kids in your Snap face. Oh, yeah, it was Botanaz. Yeah. <laughs> snap face. Kids in your... Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> what is the snaps that we were talking about? I don't... I have a Snapchat. I just don't use it. Oh, you it. have it? I have it. I don't use it, though. Like I'm the old one here, then. But I'll, I'll send you a text message. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, don't, I don't know. That's just... I'll give you a phone call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, but they can ignore it. Dan... Oh, no. And our pastor, Frank... Okay. <laughs> both, both have an account made. Yeah. And uh-huh. La- Lacey actually had made Frank's, from my understanding. Oh. Does Lacey even have one? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I, I she know. might have one just for playing with the kids. Yeah. Just to have it. Yeah. yeah. But he had, well, he had told me Lacey had made me one. And I was like, oh, cool. Cause I snap you all the time. <laughs> and I snap Dan all the time. And as you progress with more snaps being sent, it shows you, hey, like, these are your friends that you frequently snap all yeah, the time. Yeah. And Dan and Frank were still pending friends, but they were two of my best friends. On <laughs> they had never seen anything yeah, that you had I, said. So them. God forbid nope. if they ever do like open it and accept me, their phone might just, what is they're going to yeah. well, just be there for like four days. <laughs> well, Mike, that's why we have you on the show because we need to learn from you how that's to right. like continually face failure. And just keep snapping back, you know? That's it, man. That's <laughs> what I, yeah. my whole life. That's, that's a new catchphrase. Snap back, you snap know? Snap back. Yeah. Like a hat. Yeah. I, I was going to say, it's like one of those hats. Oh, yeah. yeah, see? Like one of them trucker hats. Oh, I love it. Well, yeah. you know, that's a long intro, but, you know, thanks for being on the show, man. Absolutely. Uh, you gave me the, the quick rundown of your story, so yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to, to hearing the full one and maybe diving in and... and comparing and contrasting that with our sure. own experiences and maybe we can solve some or at least or at least give give some good thoughts about this and ways <laughs> to maybe tackle tackle this to make our I, lives and our our friends and communities lives better i just yeah. you know i guess you know i i think that you know again i've said before that i i really love mike's story i think it's great um but I think it can it can really go a long way towards helping people towards helping communities um it's it's a huge fight, you know, it, and it's you know talking about just the drug problem. Um, it's a huge fight. It's a terrible fight uh, in this county, Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania, where we're at. I don't know where you're listening, but in Westmoreland County, uh, it's a huge fight. And and I and I you know I I see this episode as a 
as, as a fight against it. And I want to, you know, I want to affect some lives and, you know, with Mike's testimony and he's going to, you know, tell you about his story and, and, uh, you know, I want to fight against this and yeah. So, so yeah, go, go, go right ahead. Let's, uh, let's fight. Let's dig in. Cool. So you're up. All righty. So I guess my story kind of really starts back when I was pretty young. How young are we talking? Um, like teens, younger, I would say even younger than teens. Okay. I, uh, at a few days old, I was adopted out of a situation that could have been worse than it was. And that was led into this great family. Yeah. I was picked up by my mom and dad that are still my mom and dad. Amanda's met your mom. Yeah. She's so sweet. Oh, I love her. (laughs) They're and they're great people. Everything has been great. I couldn't ever have asked for better parents. But for some strange reason, somewhere within me, I had this abandonment issue that I always dealt with. Anything you can point to or anything? <clears throat> yeah, I had it was it was like a it was like a double-sided knife. It was kind of okay. strange because the more I the more I felt abandoned yeah. and like wanting to talk about my birth mother, wanting yeah, yeah. to talk about meeting her. This is you to, as you're younger. Yeah. Okay. And this is even me till 21. Sure. And I'll okay. get to that in a minute. Yeah. But yeah. I would talk about that and it would hurt my parents. Yeah. Like just because they, they don't want to hear me saying Definitely. like, oh, you want to see your birth mom? Like, yeah. Yeah. Aren't, aren't we good enough? And, mm-hmm. and they are. But and I think that that's was, you being curious. Sure. As Yeah. But I, most of that curiosity stemmed from all this hurt yeah. that I experienced. Um, I had really just like bottled up all this stuff. And sure. my parents would tell me when you get older, when you're 21, we'll do whatever we can to see if we can meet your birth mother. And okay. I said, okay, cool. See, Great. Yeah. Sounds good. And uh, <clears throat> so 21 came. Yeah. And uh, I had talked to my mom. She was like, um, I mean, if you uh, want to, sure. It yeah. was kind of like real standoffish. So yeah, yeah. I went out and I pursued her on my own. Okay. I went to, I was originally from Pittsburgh. Yeah. I was born in Presby Hospital and, uh, the adoption was from Allegheny County. How do you so you start went, something like that. It was uh ooh, Yeah. It was like, interesting. Yeah, like just to So I went to uh Allegheny County Courthouse and I had to set up <clears throat> several meetings with several different people yeah. and then leading into this big long thing where I had to go in front of a judge and I get in front of the judge, tell him what I want to do, and he plain and simple just said no. Wow. And said this is Pennsylvania has a closed adoption ruling, so you can't find out unless yeah. she wants to contact you. It's kind of like a big hmm. mess. Sure, you know? sure. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> long story short, I was really hurt by yeah. that. I was really hurt by a bunch of other things and involving this, and I really started uh, drinking more, like more than I already was. You were drinking before, and you started drinking yeah. more. Okay, it went from pretty rough to yeah. like like every day kind like of alcoholism like yeah 
not needing it to go out my day, but like wanting it to just you're live using, my life. You're using that, that alcohol and, to, right. to fill that. Is yeah. That, yeah. Uh, and, and you're still about 21, 22, 23? Well, I'm 30 now. Well, no, no, no I, 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 know. I'm <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I was about 21, 22 at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just started experimenting with drugs. So the drinking kind of led into. Yeah. yeah. For me, there was no uh, gateway drug. I mean, there wasn't any like one in particular. It was no. just kind of. For me, it was. I loved being inebriated or just drunk in general, whatever sure. you want to call it. I loved the lifestyle I was living in. Yeah. I loved just, hey, let's just forget about sure everything and just. You forgot about everything. And, and that was, you know, you forgot about that at that time. Yeah. And, and I, I basically just wanted to like push everything aside. Yeah. Any kind of responsibility I had. Yeah, sure. Other than work. And I would go to work. I would come home and I would drink. Yeah. And then, like I said, it started leading up to being at parties and being offered this, being offered that and became very apparent to me that I'm like, man, I really like cocaine. Like, I really like cocaine. And this, and this wasn't a problem at the time. You're like, oh, no. you're still okay at that time. Yeah. And uh, I started using it more and more frequently. I started just kind of really enjoying partying more than I thought I could. Yeah, yeah. Life to me was a party. Sure. Life to me was <clears throat> anything I could do to forget any problem I have. Totally. Whether that was from being drunk or high. Yeah, yeah. Or if that was with girls, it didn't matter to me. It, the whole thing was just... This was an escape yeah. to get to, yeah. And like I had said, all of this kind of started with me dealing with this emotional pain that I had. Yeah. So, go fast forward. And this was normal at that, at yeah. that time. Yeah. This was just like, hey, I'm going to go, you know, just like, yeah. So, this was normal. Okay. Is, it, got, is this, um, just to clarify, is this, you're like 21 years old? He's 30. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I was... We'll give a Still take. about like, the same. Okay. 20s. 21, 22. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. okay. And, uh, and then we're going to fast forward a little bit. Sure. And okay. what happened was it got to the point where I was using it so much, I couldn't stop. Yeah. I was using it so much to where I'm like... Did you kind of oh realize gosh, at that like, point that like, hey, this might be a problem at that? Like whenever you start, you know. Yeah I, yeah, I absolutely saw it as a problem, but quitting it wasn't something I was able to do. Yeah. I had uh, gotten in trouble. I had gotten in all these different messes that all came from it. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know what to do. And it got to the point where I went to several different like rehab places to try to get help and couldn't get help. When and did I'm you like, realize that, that it was, you know, like, you, you know, it, it wasn't a care in the world. And then you, and then you go to, this might be a problem. Like when did you, when did you kind of have that realization? Yeah. Was it a, was it a gradual process or was this it was like a, a, for me, it was a very gradual process. Or was there maybe a moment a long time? Was there maybe a moment that was like, you know, like I should, I should probably hit the brakes on this. There was, there was a lot of times where I thought to myself, like, man, I need to stop. Yeah. And so it shifted from 
this is great in a lifestyle to, oh, I should probably stop this. And either couldn't stop because I was like, well, I don't want to come down from this because yeah. I'm going to be sick. I'm going to start feeling like crap because what cocaine specifically does is speed up your, all your receptors to work to where your serotonin and your dopamine is just running at full speed yeah. to where mm. you feel great. Like the euphoria is just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And then when that high wears off, you just are so miserable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. To yeah. Where I would sit there in silence, not moving, in pain physically, and just want to die. And then you're kind of... Like and then on top of that, you have all these different emotional questions coming up in your own mind that stuff you're dealing with, like... Oh, so not only am I hurting physically yeah. from this, but I'm actually hurting emotionally because I feel like a piece of crap. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing drugs. Like, you know, if the four year old version of me could see me now, like, yeah, great job, Mike, you know? And so, yeah, you it, said you were going to, you got some help or, or looked into it. And, yeah, yeah. I had, well, most of it came from being in trouble. Um, got a DUI. DUI, this was great. Blew point zero four. I was under the limit. And, wow. Uh, got a DUI. How does that work? Yeah. Well, I was actually under the age when I got it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. any any amount. Yeah. yeah. So any it didn't. Amount. Yeah. Yeah. I had two beers and I was a half a mile from my house. So, so you pretty. So you pretty. Oh, geez, yeah. I was the first time I was ever honest with a cop. I said I sure. had two beers. That's it. I said I don't care. You're yeah, underage. Yeah. I told him, I'm old enough to fight and die for my country. Oh, he said, well, geez. go and fight and die for your country then. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so it got to the point, what happened with me to where I had this tipping point was I was dealing with this addiction. I was dealing with this almost still like living in this lifestyle because I wanted to. Yeah. From the women to the drugs to the alcohol it was my escape it was where yeah. i could go to just forget about all this other crap sure. you know and it got to the point where it was bad and i knew it was bad but i'm like i can't stop this yeah right just keep going trains I'll going down the track up, i'll either end up dying either that or something will happen yeah and i'll the whole time like I was very functioning. I was able to like go to work still. I was yeah. able to come home. I was able to do all these different things. I was able to completely function in a life where most people didn't even know. I was going to say, did anyone suspect there was a problem? Like family members, friends, anything like that? Oh, a like ton that? of people did. Yeah. So they kind of saw yeah. what was what was going on. I had family. I had friends approach me and ask me like a lot of times like, are you doing drugs? I'm like, yeah. no, I'm not doing drugs. And of course not. I remember my uncle calling me. I was really close with my uncle. I kind of still am. Yeah. And I remember saying to him, hey, is there a reason you called me to come over here? He goes, yeah, you're on drugs. I'm like, I'm not on drugs, man. Screw you. Like, yeah, you don't yeah. know me. You're just my uncle. Yeah. Screw you. <laughs> you don't and, know me. You're just my uncle. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And, uh, so... It got to the point where I didn't want my life anymore. Yeah. I was so sick of it. I was praying. I was 
begging God, you know, I grew up a Christian. Yeah. My household was a Christian family. Yeah. I never experienced God. I never, people say like, oh, I've heard from God. I'm like, how come I can't hear from him? Yeah, yeah. You've been trying the different programs, 12 steps, all that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember what stepped me in the right direction was actually going to a program and uh, here in Westmoreland County at a, at a kind of like a gym okay. that a church owns. I went to the program. It was called Young Overcomers United. It was a faith-based recovery support group. And I remember meeting the guy that runs this. He's ran it for 20 plus, almost 30 years now. Okay. He was very similar to me. Yeah. Because he had a of, similar story. Yeah. Because of when I went to AA or NA, I would uh, talk to them and because I was not a heroin addict. Yeah. Oh, you're not a heroin addict. Why are you here? I'm like, because I can't stop doing yeah. coke. And it got to the point where I just... I was so fed up with all these programs. Sure. And when I went there and I talked to Joe, Joe and I were talking and he goes, yeah, I was never heroin addict. Yeah. I'm like, really? How did you do this? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, by the grace of God, I had to push through it every day. And I'm like, okay, you want to enlighten me? Like, show me how to help do me out that? Here? Like, this is, the, I, I kind of like what you're saying here. Yeah. And, kinda- uh, and the big things that Joe really like taught me and and this is somebody that I like have complete respect for. This has been such a great mentor to me, such a great friend. Yeah. It all started from an interest that we shared in fly fishing together. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he saw a sticker on my Jeep. I saw a sticker on his truck. I'm like, Yeah. That's a fly fishing sticker. Do you fly fish? He's like, Yeah. Do you? I said, Yeah. He goes, Let's go. So yeah, when? Yeah. He's like this weekend. I said, okay. And we went out and we started fly fishing together and he just, and I don't even know if I've ever told him this much, but like. He knows now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he has really tremendously helped me to the point where he had stepped me in the right direction because after going to this program for over a year, my addiction got worse. Okay. I I was able to sustain from it and keep away from it for yeah. quite some time. And then it got to the point where I personally put myself back into a situation where I had to compromise something. Yeah. And I remember Joe's words echoing in my mind. I went to hang out with this girl and this his words were echoing in my mind. Yeah. If you compromise, you're going to fail. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't sound right. Like, he doesn't even know what he's talking about. Sure. I got this smoking hot girl. Like, things can't go bad. It'll be all right. It'll be fine. Yeah. And the next thing you know, I was off to the races. Like, we went and got Coke and off we went. Right. And it got to the point where I was right back in it. And I stopped going to that group because I had so much guilt. And then. Trying to come off of that and also at the same time coming out of a breakup with said girl. Sure, sure. Got so emotionally hectic in my own mind to where 
I couldn't slow my mind down. It was just spinning. Right. It was going crazy. It's even worse than before then, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. Absolutely. And it got to the point where I had hit my lowest low. And uh, I had said, I remember saying to God in prayer, I was like, you know what? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live anymore. I can't keep living this life. I'm done. I don't want anything to do with this ever again. And nothing changed. Okay. And back to the thing, like, people are hearing from you. Yeah. And I'm not. And, uh. Where are you at? Kind of. Where are you at? Right. Yeah. And then there were, and I remember praying and just asking God, like, if you're real, please, please give me a sign. You want out. And the big yeah. thing that I remember listening to, like how we had said, I'm a metalhead, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I remember pulling up an album from August Burns Red. Oh, yeah. Which is a native Pennsylvania Christian metal band. They're a great mm-hmm. band. And yeah. when mm-hmm. I, I remember the hearing this song called Composure, and I remember listening to the words for the first time, like in full depth, like listening and yeah. like, I'm like, oh my God, like this song's about me. Yeah. And where it's talking about, I think it's actually about like a, a cutter. Yeah. Somebody yeah. that cuts themselves. But I was so. It's not about you. <laughs> but I related yeah, yeah. to it in such sure, a sure. way because I remember hearing it and being, and just start weeping and sobbing. Yeah. Like, this is about somebody like that does this and then like covers it up and tries to hide it. Totally. And it got, I remember hearing that and it got so like into me like to where I it like it hit me so hard I'm like this is me and then yeah, the end yeah. of the song he's talking about crying out to God I'm like well, <laughs> I've been trying that like sure, sure. what am I doing wrong and I kept trying more and more till the point came where I was I found the result I'm like okay. yes I figured it out I know how to get away from this huh. I'm gonna kill myself oh and I'm gonna either overdose and die or I'm just gonna put a bullet in my head and die because I can't deal with this. Yeah, that's not. And when that time came, I remember driving down the road and I was going to go to a friend of mine's property that he owned. Real nice. I was going to go kill myself on a, his property. You know? Oh, boy. And uh, wow. it came to the point where I was going to end my life. And I don't know what happened. I don't know how it even happened. I remember saying... It was almost like a weird, like out of body experience. I remember saying, why am I pulling into this church? And I pulled in, I have like no idea why I'm pulling in. I just like pull in and I'm like, okay, I'll try it. And if it doesn't work, I'm leaving and I'm going. Did you know what church it was or or where? Yeah, it was uh, one I'm in Roeville, Pennsylvania. Oh, Grace Life. Yeah. And, uh, and I walked in and I walked in and, and one of the big reasons I hated church at the time was you walk in, you have some like pretty lady with nice hair, like, Oh, hi, how are you? I'm yeah. good. How are you? Oh, I'm blessed. Like what, what's so great about your life? <laughs> you know? And and they didn't do that there. When I yeah. walked in, I said, Hey, how are you? Yeah. This lady's like, hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm like, oh, great. Blah, blah, blah. She goes, blessed. okay, cool. Do you want coffee or donuts? I'm like, yeah, I could go for a coffee. And yeah. she was like, cool, let me get it for you. I'm like, really? 
are you, are you sure? Like, and she brought yeah. me a coffee and she was like, here you go. It's on us. I'm like, cool. Wow. Yeah. And they have good coffee there. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, I walked into the sanctuary and just very like doubtful that anything here is going to happen. Anything is going to change. Nothing's going to help. And as I sat down, I listened to the music. I listened to the pastor come up and start giving his message. And as he started saying his message, I'm like, dude, he might as well be saying my name. Yeah. This whole thing is like about the song. Me. Same thing. Yeah. And, yeah. And every word the pastor had said, like the whole sermon, I'm like, this is for me. Yeah. Dude, everything he's saying is for me. And I'm like, this can't be real. I'm like, God, if this is real. Hold on here. Yeah. I'm like, if this is real, I need something. Like, I need to hear something. Like, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and at the end of the service, he had said, I really feel that there are people in here that need prayer. That yeah. there's people in here that are going to go kill themselves. Oh, boy. And I'm like, whoa. And uh, Wait a minute I put here. up my hand. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, wow, okay. And he goes, if that's you, he said, I don't want you to be bashful. Please don't. Put your hand up. And yeah. it was like somebody pulled my hand up. And I huh. was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you idiot. Put your hand I back down. Yeah. My hand. <laughs> yeah. Put your hand I'm down. I'm one of these yeah. freaks in church raising yeah. their hands yeah, yeah. now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that happened. And. I remember just being surrounded by people, being very uncomfortable, very stressed yeah. out. This and, is not normal right now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the pastor started praying from the stage, and then he started coming out into the crowd and praying for all these different people, including yeah. myself. And I remember somebody praying in, it was like their voice was right in my ear. Okay. I remember hearing this voice that was saying, all these things that I've never even vocally said, or yeah. I've never even mentioned. This is stuff that's been in me that's never been brought up any way, you yeah. know? And it was being said in my ear. And I just started crying. Yeah. And I ended up falling on my knees, and I'm just tearing up. And I remember this voice stayed with me the whole time, and it just kept saying, like, you're still loved. Like, you are yeah. so loved. You are not a piece of shit. Sorry. No, okay. like, <laughs> like, you're not a piece of crap. Did the voice say that? No. no okay. the voice didn't say that. <laughs> you're paraphrasing. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but it was all these. So you're not a piece of crap. Right. And on, I, I heard this voice saying, like, I know you were going to go and kill yourself. I know yeah. that you hate yourself. Jeez. I know that you have problems with addiction. I know you have this and that. But it's okay. And I'm like, what? Okay. Yeah. I'm like, how is it okay? And like, then I remember, and then the voice was gone. Whether it was a voice from God or whether it was just somebody that I never saw. Yeah. Because I looked for him all over because I wanted to say, tell me more. And yeah. they were gone. Hey, you. <laughs> and uh, I remember the pastor grabbing both sides of my head, looking at me and just started talking to me. He's like, I really want you to hear me. Like Jesus loves you so much. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I've heard all this crap my whole life. And, yeah, right. Tell me something I don't know. And I'm like, dude, I kept like someone prayed for me and it really touched me. And whenever yeah. I had said that, he goes, Okay, good. And then from that point on, he started 
telling me about grace and telling me about forgiveness and yeah. teaching me about what all of this meant that Jesus did. And whenever I had that, in an instant, like literally an instant, like the flip of a finger, my addiction was broke. Wow. The withdrawal I was experiencing was broke. Mm. The the constant craving was yeah. broke. All these different ties were broke. And there was just so much that happened. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I can't even believe this. Yeah. And so I started coming to this church regularly. Yeah. I started doing all these different things. I started really realizing this is seriously a miracle. How like, did it stay like that for you? Because you, you have this great night and you no, have, you know, yeah. How to me, how did things, you know, stay that way? And, and you said you went through the one program. Yeah. Uh, I kind of felt, but and, like, how did everything kind of stay? And in, there was a, I wanted to just say like, there's a ton of stuff. Like I haven't mentioned that yeah. like had happened, like, because I don't want to sit here and just keep talking about all the <laughs> yeah, bad yeah. crap. But, we have time. <laughs> but like the big thing was like, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. And, and then when I got to the point where I was going to end my life, like I didn't see a way out. And that's where the coolest thing that I experienced was God came to me yeah. where I was at. Right. I didn't have to be as good as I thought I had to be. Sure. He met me at the lowest point I was at and pulled me up out of that crap I was in. And it was after then through like just involving myself, like purposely like putting myself out there and vulnerable to different teachings and just hearing what people had to say. Here's the gospel message of Jesus. Here is what it's doing for people. Here's what it did for you. Is that the key to and be vulnerable like that? And to, to me, allow and to allow that yeah, to, you know. To me that was the biggest thing. I had to really put myself in a place where I felt uncomfortable to where I almost had to, and I was still very early into like believing in Jesus. You know what I mean? Sure. So I had to really put myself out there to just being open to learn, just being open to hear. And it took a lot out of me being on my knees, praying, sitting on my butt, reading. Now it's, um, interesting to me because you mentioned that you grew up in a Christian household. So these ideas are not new to you, but the way you describe like the moments after the miracle is being very open and vulnerable to all this. So yeah, I guess what, I guess what I'm asking is like, were you just opening yourself up to maybe new teaching or, or a different way of thinking about it? than you had already made up your mind about? or So I like that you said that because that was one of my biggest things I had going on in my own mind was a struggle of learning what is truth from God and what's a load of crap that some guy hundreds of years ago thought up. It was a great idea for our church to do sure. this. Like, yeah. You know, and implementing that and then society picks it up. I had uh, 
growing up in a Christian household. And part of it's, I kind of assumed as well, mm-hmm. but I, I kind of assumed that here's God, here's this all know, all knowing, all seeing God that can do anything. I have to be doing pretty darn good to be in good terms with him, you know? Yeah. And that's what I thought. Like, I have to be good. I can't be. Well, you just yeah. said he met you where you were at, but right. you were thinking, well, I have to be a good person or whatever. That was my yeah. biggest thing was realizing I don't have to be like a priest to be loved by God. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be anything, you know? Sure. I've realized I found my true identity in Christ was when he pulled me up out of my addiction. He showed me different things through different people and through just reading the Bible mm-hmm. and prayer. Showed me different things that I questioned, like, I wonder if this is true. Well, a promise to me and you, if I promise you, Dan, I'm going to give you five bucks in five minutes, like, it's probably not going to happen just because I, want I, don't, five have, bucks. Because yeah. I don't have five <laughs> bucks. But, but if God promises us something, that's something that we can take to the bank. Sure. And when I was early into my walk with God, like, right after being set free, I almost started, like, testing him. Yeah. Which I know we're not supposed to do, I guess. Right, no, yeah. I started, like, well, if this is true... This should be true, you know, and sure. I I'm going to challenge you, pray and believe on it. And I'm like, whoa, it's actually happening. Hold and on here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just kept and I was on fire. I mean, my addiction was taken away. My desire to kill myself was taken away. My <clears throat> relationships with friends and family was fixed the struggles I had were still there, but I was able to push through them because back to the promise of God, I know nothing form against me is going to prosper according to his word. So I put everything on that and I just banked on that and I pushed forward and I watched impossible thing after impossible thing just fall down in front of me. What do you say to someone, um, who might and and you know I have um, I, I guess I'll I guess I'll lay this out. I have a uh, a story that ran in our paper in the in the Latro Bulletin, and um, it's a doctor, a professional crim, crim, professor of criminology at Saint Vincent College, uh, and it's a story that ran in our paper. Um, and he said results were su- surprising when he completed a study of nearly two hundred people in different stages of, of addiction and recovery. Uh, He said when they were asked to name the most effective help they received, methadone, a prescribed substitute for heroin, was on the bottom of the list. Twelve-step programs got good reviews, and 95% of the men and women interviewed by the research named clergy, religion, and spiritual life among the most effective. So that falls right in line with with what you were gonna, you know, with what you what what you're saying. And Mm -hmm. and and I've heard a lot of similar stories of people, you know, being delivered by, uh, you know, clergy, religion, spiritual life, God, you know. You know, what have you, what do you have to say, um, of someone who might not, I don't want to say might not believe in faith-based, but maybe they've been damaged in the past, um, who might, who might be even more skeptical, who might be, you know, they had this great moment, but, um, you know, what would you say of someone who, um, 
you know, someone who might be a little skeptical. I don't, and you know, but they, they won out and, and, you know, I guess someone who, uh, is even testing even further than what you did. I mean, I know, you know, everything you said is, but like, you, you know what I'm saying there? Like, what would you say to someone who, who might be even yeah. more skeptical and, and fighting even, even more? So, uh, my big things are, I guess, advice for, for them. You know? Yeah. So like, we know, like, as Christians, we believe that, like, we're not going to necessarily sit down and have a conversation with God in, in a physical being. I mean, it happens. Sure. But, but it, yeah, it doesn't as happen. As sitting around everybody. the table. When yeah. you have to have that faith to believe. I had to, when I, when I started hearing all that, that God, whoever it was. Yeah. Whether it was like some kind of like divine thing or whether it was just a person and I didn't see them later. Sure. Um, regardless that was from God because this was stuff I've never told anybody about in any way. So you knew you're hearing stuff and you're like, you know, yeah. with the song and yep. the couple, yeah, everything. And <clears throat> it was during that is when I had my faith and it was during me having this rise in faith is when my addiction was broke to have, to me, I guess to have, uh, to look at uh, a recovery group, we'll say, not necessarily a rehab, but uh, a recovery group in general. I never personally liked AA, NA, Al-Anon, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because my name is Mike, but my name is not Mike. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Mike, I'm a drug addict. Sure. I'm not a drug addict. Right. I'm not an alcoholic. I've been delivered of that. I've been set free. And the more you keep telling yourself, I am drug addict. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh my gosh, you're right. I am. Sure. To me, that was the biggest thing. And second of all, these are places where people go and unfortunately wait outside the building and sell dope. Yeah. This is, they know there's people around here that need it and they go there. And there's a lot of places that really watch out for that. But at the same time, this is a place where they sell dope. This is where dealers have a huge success of sales because they know in, in 15 minutes when this meeting's over, there's going to be 24 addicts coming out of there. Yeah. Let's get them, you know. And it's wrong, but that's another reason I don't care for it. And then on top of that, faith-based for the most part, and there's a lot that don't work, sure. But places like Teen Challenge, which is a rehab. Because you tried that the one other time. No, is that, is I, it, no I'm sorry. You Teen tried. Challenge. You, which one did you try? Uh, Gateway. Oh, I've never tried, actually. The the group I was in was yeah. YOU. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. <clears throat> it was just was a that group that based or he oh, was, yeah. yeah. And uh, YOU is a great one because here's a place that is literally zero judgment. Yeah. This guy, Joe, has devoted his life to loving addicts, yeah. alcoholics, young people just going through a hard time. He has devoted his life and laid his desires down to help others. And when somebody really puts 
everything into something like that. Like Joe, for example, you can see that. You don't have to be some kind of sure. See his passion for to it. see it, you know. Yeah, he's it's all over him, <clears throat> and it's in this where I felt love. Like, wow, this dude actually wants to help people. And then, not even that, but I screwed him over, and I yeah. still was invited back. Right. And After. So to me, faith-based um, support groups, recovery groups are great. Teen Challenge, yeah, which is a great Christian-ran organization that helps alcoholics, addicts of any sort come in, they move in, and they try to relearn their life, and they try to show them through a faith, like the walk of Jesus, basically. Sure. And I have a friend, a really, really good friend of mine, just finished the program. Just did a year-long program and has been set free, and she's like my friend again. Right. And it's just a blessing. And But they have an 86.9, I think. 86.9 That's right along success the rate numbers, yeah. for those that finish the program. Never go back to that. Right. That's unheard of. That's, That's awesome. amazing. Well, you, you talked about your friend, Joe, who went in and, and – um, you know, who, who loved you and, and uncontrollable, you know, un, unconditional, that's terrible. Unconditional, <laughs> not uncontrollable. I guess it could be uncontrollable too, uh, but unconditional, you know, love. And, and, and you really felt that. Um, but I think in society, not everybody's like Joe and, and there's a lot right. of people who would pass judgment and, and, you know, what can you, what can you speak to, um, you know, the stigma of drugs and the fact that it doesn't discriminate um, and that people from stable homes use drugs, people from broken homes, single family, family, multi-parent family. I mean, the fact that drugs don't discriminate and, and the fact that it is ugly, like, how do you, how do you talk about uh, addictions? It's, it's a hard subject. It's ugly. It's embarrassing. I guess there's two pronged, um, you know, the stigma that it doesn't discriminate, that it affects anyone. And I guess, how do you love somebody, um, you know, without pet? Like, I guess, I guess the thing I, I see in different places, like, oh, well, you, you know, I don't, I don't want to say, but like, I've seen in places like, oh, well, you have to, you get cleaned up. And once you're cleaned up, then we can hang out. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, there's that, that yeah. wall that you build that's, that's unnecessary that not, not Joe has, like your friend, your friend Joe doesn't have that. But yeah, do you kind of know where, where I'm going with that? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay. How do I word this? I'm sorry. It's <laughs> okay. It's just a lot. I though. can ask it again. I'll well, try no, to no, be shorter. Um, the, the one thing I really wanted to say that you touched on was like, which is something I say a lot. And I know like just talking last week, we had a sure. conversation about this exact, I guess, phrase um, was topic. Maybe. Addiction yeah. does not discriminate when people, I see it a lot. Like, cause now, like nowadays I work with people that are in addiction. I think people tend to look and, down on people yeah. with, you know, people tend to look down and say, Oh, well you have a problem. Yeah. I see it so many times where people are saying, oh, my gosh, this couldn't have happened to my son. Sure, This definitely. couldn't happen to my daughter. My daughter, she's a successful business owner. Your daughter's it, addicted to drugs matter. right now. Yeah, it's, it's not a matter of who you are. It's not at all. It's okay to hate the addiction and hate the drug, but it's not okay to hate that person. This sure. is the worst time to hate that person. And... uh 
I think there needs to be a lot of tough love shown, but yeah. at the same time, this this is their unfortunately, this is the world we live in. This is where our medical system, our judicial system doesn't help. And yeah. You're on your I think own. As family, much. as friends, as parents, as brothers, sisters, whoever you are to somebody that's an addict, the worst thing you can do is pass judgment upon them. And even think like, well, I can't believe this happened to my son. This is an outrage. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. It's there and it's real life. You know, there's great neighborhoods that have very low crime ratings. Murraysville, We're living for example. In one. Sure, totally. There was just somebody broke into a house and shot somebody like, a drugs. month ago looking for drugs. Definitely. And... It's a very unfortunate And that person's time. on their own and they're looking for money to buy drugs or, you know, all that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is just something that is very real. I think it needs to, the problem as a society, specifically in Westmoreland County, it just because I'm saying this because this is where I live. This is where we're watching overdose rates jump every month by it's, how many it set a new record yeah it set a, every, the year isn't over yeah. and it set a new record right it, every eight the past eight years it set a new well actually nine years well, the past, 2017. i think the past uh since 2003 it's gone 2002. up 400 yeah. something percent mm-hmm. it was there were i have the it's there were 22 overdoses in 2022 that's like 22 there were 179 as of no, the end of november mm-hmm. 179 from 22 unbelievable and the fact this is what this is what personally like just hurts me and on the inside just like it hurts me to know that like oh this isn't a person anymore it's a number number yeah Mm -hmm. and unfortunately there's people out there in the pharmaceutical world, the medical world, the judicial world, where nobody cares. Yeah. Oh, thank God this person's dead. We don't have to deal with them. It's not a, another person just drowning in the public cesspool. It's this is a for real demon or monster or whatever you want to call it. I know that any addict is gonna more than likely agree with me. I'm calling it either a demon, the sure. devil, or a monster. Because it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Everyone that I know that is found freedom from said subs- substance. Whatever it is, yeah. Has called it a demon or a monster or the devil because it is the worst thing that any one of us have ever dealt with. And mm-hmm. the last thing I want to see is this addiction win in people and our government, as far as Westmoreland County doing nothing about it. Sure. It, is it a sense of, um, you know, I think in this fight, not letting people fight alone because if they fight alone, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to, the numbers are going to eventually catch up. How do you, how do you fight with people while still, um, you know, with with love, with underhand, under understanding, rehab, talking, you know, like tough love, all of that. How do you continue to fight? Because people, you know, if you're an act, you need help and you need 
help out of there. And, and fortunately, you were able to find that help. Some people really need help or they need, you know, they they need, um, you know, even more help and support around them. How do you make sure that people don't fight this alone? This is where um, I, I OK, so I have to say this from personally, like because I can't speak on a bigger end. Yeah, this is where I guess maybe your advice or your. Yeah. Yeah. Me personally, this is where I have really felt like this is where a smaller group, a smaller setting, not necessarily a group like, like, hey, let's get together and talk about our past. Like, no, let's get together and talk on how to move forward. Yeah. Let's get together and talk about our weaknesses and be like, oh, this is your weakness because this is mine and they're different. I think we should work together. This is where... Brother, I got you. I love yeah. you. And I want to be there for you. Regardless of what and, you're going through right now. Yeah. Yeah. This is where I run a group um, through our church. And, every Wednesday. Uh, every Wednesday. And right now it's very small. We had a couple people show up and never come back, which is what it is. Yeah. And uh, we had this one guy in particular that was doing kind of rough for a while and he uh was fighting an addiction all the time he was fighting with all these different things all the time he was an atheist or agnostic whatever the heck, one of those whatever yeah. the it's difference the is. With an a. yeah and uh and i didn't beat religion into him because that's not going to solve anything either and maybe he and maybe he has yeah like you said he's agnostic or yeah. atheist or yeah sure and i simply, and he might not be receptive right i'd simply just told him my story and not to sound better than anybody because I'm not, but to tell him my story because this is what Jesus did for me and I am nobody special. Yeah. So he will gladly do this for the next person. Yeah. Yeah. Or for you who, who might not even believe. And uh, I remember him saying one day like, Oh, well I was hurt by the church. I was hurt by these people in the church and different like places in the church that different things have happened over the years. And uh, I said, I get it. So many people are hurt by the church simply because of judgment or misteaching. Yeah. I said, I'm not here to do that. I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Yeah. All I want to do is help you get past this crap that you're dealing with. And I understand what it's like. And when I told him, and I kind of had a breakthrough one day because we started talking and I'm like, let's talk about something like this. Let's talk yeah. about porn. Let's talk about whatever. And <laughs> yeah, it yeah. all just fly fishing. Yeah. Like and you said, yeah. when you find that, like, oh, okay, me and this guy aren't so much different. Like, even though he's like, cause I play on the worship team at our church. Yeah. I help out a church. I was in ministry school and I just dropped out. But, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, go, go it's ahead. like, here's this guy that's like, oh, you're not that much different than me. I'm sure, like, we're no, the same person. We yeah. are the same, man. And that's why it's like, don't put somebody on a pedestal. Don't put yourself on this yeah. pedestal. This is where people you're, can relate to you when you don't put yourself on this platform to be better than somebody else. You're basically reaching out your hand, just like you, you know, God reached down and got you, but you are, you're reaching out your hand and saying, Hey, this is what I, this is what helped me. And, and I think 
Um, you know, and I think a, a quote that I saw, um, you know, I saw this quote one time, um, and I think it kind of speaks towards uh, being able to to put your hand out and, and reach your hand out and help somebody who might be in need rather than, you know, scoff at them or, or turn, um, you turn a blind eye. But I think the quote, it says, we are angels of grace for people who feel their lives are meaningless. Um, we as in you and me, you know, maybe, maybe that person doesn't have that breakthrough on their way to, you know, their friend's house. Maybe they don't pull into that church. Maybe they need you, you, you know, you as a person. Um, and I know, you know, but like, I, I just think, you know, what, what does that kind of mean to you? Just the quote, you know, we are angels of grace for people who feel their lives are meaningless. Cause I know you do a lot of work with people who are recovering and trying to, and trying to help them, trying to help them break through yeah. and reaching out your hand. So, all right, I'm going to throw a quote out there. Is it just the one I said? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> How I feel like we should be. Yeah. Especially coming from this place of a religious background now. And to helping others, just I'm speaking from my background sure. because this is what I have seen work. This is where I have experienced a lot. Yeah. Is <clears throat> the more people we have that are willing to go forth and put an effort in to make a difference in one person's life, the easier it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying like we need to raise up an army. I'm just saying like. Why not, man? Well, yeah, <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I, I we, see. I see where you're coming from because I mean, it's it's can be hard enough to manage our own problems and lives. Yeah. So whenever you have somebody that may be in a place where they can't stand on their own, to ask only one other person to 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 help them stand for them, like yeah. the, you have power in the numbers there to right. help out with that. And Mike does it every Wednesday too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so my quote's going to come from. Uh, from August Burns Red. Oh yeah, from I love this. one of their songs, um, the vocalist kind of stops screaming and starts talking. And one of the things he said is, "I am the harbinger led by the comforter." And uh, oh no, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me to look it up? No, yeah. no. It we says, can look, I am we can the harbinger led by the comforter, and I am here to help you see. Yeah, the transformation, and that's not an exact quote, but that's mm-hmm. we can close look it off. And yeah. you know what the song is? No, I can't remember. Okay, um, <laughs> but what it what it meant to me was I remember hearing it and being like, "Yeah, well, what's a harbinger? Yeah, right. a harbinger's like somebody carrying a torch or somebody passing on something that something ah. else is coming." And it's like this is all it is, and being led by the comforter. This was your story and now you're passing on the torch. Yeah. And you're giving back. And this is what it is to me is like, I want to help people to specifically in this addiction that they're struggling with, just because this is something I'm familiar with. Sure. I want to be able to help them to get past this and I want to see them grow and develop out of this addiction. Sure. And I want to see... In the midst of this, people rising up and of some kind of authority in local government stuff to where they can walk into Westmoreland County Courthouse because they're somebody yeah, and be like, hey, we are doing this all wrong. We, like, there's no reason that in Westmoreland County, 
you can only have so many rehabs. Yeah. You can that it makes me sick that you can have so you can only have like this many rehabs <laughs> per square mile. It's like so, you know. But we can have a methadone clinic right. sure. every like five feet. I'm like, this is sick. This How is does this work, yeah. They're, they're printing their own money, basically. And mm-hmm. and this, their and their method, you know, by by numbers isn't even working. It, it's or isn't not, as effective as sure. It doesn't work. Definitely. This yeah. is something when it, when it does work, this is hey. You're gonna take methadone till the day you die. Yeah. Wow. And it's, yeah, it's no different than taking dope. I used to. I wasn't a heroin addict, but I used to take methadone to get high. Yeah. I used to take Suboxone to get high. I think and, that's interesting. You mentioned that because you talked about the healthcare system earlier, and that's exactly how our healthcare system is set up with prescription drugs too. Where they put you on prescription drugs until you die. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. cure well. Not the prescription, not the prescription drugs can cure anything, but like we're not getting to the root issue. We're just trying to manage a a, a devastating problem. Yes. So, oh, I'm sorry. No, that do you was, have that else? was the, well, I do, but that was oh, the end of that idea. No, no, I want I want to sure. keep going on this trail that yeah, we're yeah. talking. This is good. My friend's grandfather. This is several. I don't know. Several years ago, mm-hmm. he was in the hospital dying, and. They put him on Oxycontin and there was a point where they said, he might make it a couple more years. And I remember, oh I remember the doctor I'm sitting in the room and I remember the doctor saying to my friend's grandfather, do the Oxycontins help? He said, oh yes. Boy. And he said, I want to let you know, you are going to take these until you die. Yeah. You're going to live in pain. And he's like, okay, because he's thinking, Sure. I'm not in any pain. Why not? But they're describing him an opiate. They're yeah. de- they're prescribing him an opiate. Yeah, a very that addictive substance. Is extremely addictive that they don't teach on, you know? And then nowadays, like, I think, uh, I don't want to jump ahead of you if you have anything it. about no, no. Um, one of the big things, like the medical. Oh, you stole my thought. No, just kidding. (laughs) In the medical, in the whole medical, like, uh, drug epidemic that we're having, specifically here in Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania, is we're seeing these overdose rises, numbers rise and rise and rise. This is terrible. I know where you're going with this. And the biggest thing is the fentanyl. You're right. The biggest thing that people are dying from is fentanyl, not even so much the heroin. To the point where the uh, Narcan that is saving lives when it comes to heroin-related overdose, where we can save this person with Narcan and, and it works, to now where the Narcan is not even working as effectively because of the fentanyl. And, and I think that to kind of to kind of piggyback and add to what you're saying, um, you know, particularly disturbing a lot of people, they're seeing an increase, like you said, in fentanyl death. And fentanyl, what it is for anyone who might not know, it's a synthetic opioid, like we were just talking about, a synthetic opioid, many times more powerful than heroin. It was developed as a painkiller and anesthetic anesthetic for pharmaceutical uses, but it's become become an attractive subject. Sorry, I'm reading. But it's become an attractive substance to manufacture illicitly in laboratories. New forms uh, regularly popped up in heroin stamp bags and subsequently toxicology, toxicology reports. 
um, among the 144 confirmed fatal death overdoses in Westmoreland County this year, 73% included fentanyl. So mm-hmm. three of four included fentanyl. You know, uh, back to my friend Joe that ran that group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something we talked about the one time was somebody had brought um, a piece of paper in it with all these prices or something like that. It said, fentanyl is extremely expensive and heroin is pretty cheap. Yeah. Yeah. And how I, it's like the math doesn't work here. What's going on with this? Why isn't it like astronomically expensive? How's this working? Yeah. That it's being cut with something that's more expensive than the actual drug. And there's so many deaths. Yeah. Right. So we looked it up and I think it's, I think it was either seven, $7,500 or I'm sorry. It was $750,000 a kilo for fentanyl made here in the U.S. Unbelievable. But for $7,500, you can get a kilo from China shipped over. That's even more dangerous. Who knows and that's what, who knows what other chemicals are in that. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. And at that point, it's, it's just making it worse and worse. I just talked to yeah. a guy. Um, he was a a heroin dealer and uh he had said they would add more fentanyl to one or two bags of dope and then split it up into the population like of said bags and all of a sudden you'd see somebody die you'd have an overdose one of your customers would die next thing you know he'd have like 20 people beating on his door because they want his dope because it's so it was so potent to where that person died. Wow. And and I think That's unbelievable. This is how drug dealers get more customers. This isn't this isn't just like oh, I don't like this person, I want to kill him. This is a real thing to where you're people trying, are doing this. You're trying to get more you're trying to get a better high. A better high than the first time that you yeah. A better high, you're even like Whatever, back yeah. to my thing, like even just trying to kill yourself. Sure, sure. And and I think, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, but it just seems like, you know, a user is confident that they know their limits. Oh, that'll never happen to me. You know, I can, I know how much I can use, um, you know, and, and it just seems like, you know, there's this like Superman, you know, on their chest and until they get hit with a bad batch and then they're a statistic again, you know, sadly. To me, to me, uh, to me there is no limit. Yeah. I uh, I can't say names like I, don't, yeah, I sure. would never do yeah. that anyways, but yeah. Ben. I have no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can call have, him Dan uh, if you want. I have a, a <laughs> friend of mine that was an addict. Okay. That was. That's a girl. That's okay. Amanda. <laughs> no. So she. Uh, long story short, she was shooting almost eighty bags a day. Wow. And wow. I have another friend that's a man that was shooting over eighty bags a day. Unbelievable. And this how is... How much is that? Like, how much would I have to pay? A lot. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... that's Yeah. And, and it's just... It's crazy because... It's crazy to me because, like, what you had just said, like, you know your limit. There's no limit. Yeah, yeah. Your That'll never happen Your limit me. happens when... Sure. It's the last time. You find a limit. Yeah, right. It's a... It's, it's a vicious cycle. I know, like, with my addiction... From alcohol to dealing with coke, and it was just maybe mixing too. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was like 
I don't understand. I went through an eight ball faster than I usually do. It's yeah. okay. I'll get, I'll get a couple eight balls next time. And then next thing you know, it's, it's like it's that simple. Just keeps building and building and building. So it's like working out a muscle. You can do this much this day. And then now we're talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. From somebody that doesn't go to the gym here. So that's all right. Well, that was Yet. good. Yeah, that's good. Yet. You work on that dad bod. No, that's, that's all right. Dude, I think I think you have a sexy dad bod. Yeah, oh, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank I know you. I don't know what that means, but you know. Sorry we didn't have it on video. You're a very attractive man. Balding, I think I'm hanging around Frank too much. Bod. That's you know, he definitely, he definitely says this all the time. That's, that's right. Oh, that's incredible. That's our pastor Frank Frank yeah. Uh, Audio. Yeah, for, for anyone who who does not know. Uh, check uh, him out on Ad- Facebook. It's it Audio? Audio? Audio. Audio. Something Sorry, like Frank, that. if you're listening, he's got, he's <laughs> going to give me crap about this too. Um, I, I guess I want to go into, um, you know, obviously you're doing your part and, and you're helping at the church and, you know, you're ministering a group, uh, which is awesome. You're taking in people saying, Hey, like, and telling them your story and telling them how you overcame it, which is incredible. And you have your own personal story. Um, there are people out there that don't have their own personal story. Um, moms, dads, their sons, their daughters, um, their cousins, their sisters, their brothers, um, their friends, you know, they, you know, they know people who are addicted to drugs and they feel powerless that they can stop it, uh, powerless that they can, um, you know, powerless that they can stop this person. You know, they're watching their son or daughter or friend uh, on this destructive course. And and I think I think drug use, um, drug use is a hard subject because everyone wants to uh, put up this, you know, kind of fence that everything is great. And how can this happen to my family? And it's just a hard subject. It's, you know, it can be shameful. It can be embarrassing. It can be, you know what I'm saying? Like for the person, for yeah. me, if I, it, it's ugly, it's just a really ugly, you know, <clears throat> since we live in this society where everything is, is sure. perfect. Um, you know, if I have a friend, brother, sister, what have you, if I have a friend, uh, I notice a change. I notice what changed what, you know, some, I think something's up. I notice a change in the way they act. Um, I know they're being destructive. Um, you know, I, I notice a change. I have a friend, whatever. What, what do I do? What do I do in that situation where I see this is happening? I don't have my own experience and I feel powerless to help. So, um, I guess let's look at it at two different ways here. Sure. Um, for somebody that is in some kind of addiction, dealing with some kind of an addiction, whatever it is, from pornography, the whole way to drugs and alcohol. Okay, yeah. Um, there is, I mean, I like what I would say to whoever you are. That person who's watching someone. Yeah, who, yeah sure. There is, there is so much hope. Whether you're not coming from a religious background or you are coming from a religious background, and you don't believe that there's hope because of what the church has done, what the church hasn't done, what somebody had said or done. You know, there is so much hope. There is a story inside of you that's being built up. This is something that can end one of two ways, and that's your decision. There is a serious fight that has to occur for this to end. There is not everybody, I realize not everybody is going to be rapidly set free from an addiction. One thing I believe why that doesn't happen to everybody is I just had a conversation with a friend of mine about this where she had to push and push. I got to the point where I was going to die. 
Yeah. By my own hands, not by the drugs. I was going to die. And I was fully prepared to kill myself. And God rescued me. I know there's people out there that still end up taking their lives. But it's not because of I'm better than anybody because I'm not. I'm really not at all. But this is where, like my friend had said, I wished I had that immediate thing. Yeah. They and didn't I, have immediate gratification. Right. Immediate, yeah. And in and, and talking to her, she said, I was able to overcome this through God because it took every day from the morning, the whole way to the middle of the night sometimes on my face, just praying on my knees, just praying, crying, calling out to God. And then just believing that his promises would come true and walking in that and seeing them seriously come through. And then my other point would be for the people that have a loved one, whether it's a family member, right? whether it's a friend, whoever you know that is struggling, or you at least that think that they are struggling with something, this is not a time to push judgment upon them. I don't care what they've done. I don't care what they've stole. I don't care who they've hurt physically or emotionally. This is a place where judgment should not be passed upon them. This is a place where there should be love. There needs to be tough love, but love nonetheless. There needs to be um, serious like knowledge coming in to yourself and that person that is in that situation. Sometimes they're not ready to admit they, admit they need help or not ready to even seek help. That takes a lot of time. I have friends that dealt with addiction for 20, 30 years, and they're some are set free, and I know a couple that still aren't. This is a serious problem. And like I'd said, harping on them, calling them an idiot, bringing up the past, none of this is going to help. This is where extreme love will happen needs to happen, I'm sorry, that will help. That'll come from tough love, whether that means kicking them out, whether yeah, I was that just means taking like, a car yeah, away. Because I just talked to a lady on Thursday that said, my son steals from me, yeah. he does this and that, but I love him, I can't. I'm like, you're, It's a mother's love, yeah. I'm like, you're enabling him as long as he's living in your house and he keeps stealing stuff, he's going to keep selling that stuff sure. and keep buying dope. Yeah. I said, mm -hmm. you need to kick him out. Yeah. And it was tough for me to say that. Sure. It was even tougher for her to hear that. I've mm -hmm. heard those stories. And, yeah. And she was upset. And I said, I understand. And I had another friend say the same thing. Sure. She needs kicked out. She needs tough love on that kid. Yeah. And that's where you'll start to see a lot of things happen, I believe. I believe for the parents, relatives, friends that know somebody in this situation. And you feel hopeless, like, I got to say, like, seriously, like, prayer, man, it's powerful. Yeah. It saved my life, you know. My parents, it's probably due to my parents praying for me <laughs> my whole life. I'm yeah, serious. right, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, by the grace of God, like, I thank Jesus every day because 
He literally saved my life. I'm now a father. Yeah. That I wouldn't be. Birthday party. Yeah. You went roller skating. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, week, we had a weekend birthday party. It was great yeah. for my little boys. Seven now. But go on. I'm sorry. But uh, Your father. Yeah. You know, I had, I like really just got to say, like, I give credit to God. Like, when I say God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, like. Sure. Three and one to me. I really have to give complete credit to him. And I have to say that through my parents' prayers, through anybody that was praying for me, this was the reason that things happened. Absolutely. I mean, I don't doubt it at all. I've witnessed some pretty crazy stuff in my own life through prayer. And uh, and I can't wait to witness the next one. Like, it's it gets better and better and better. I can't wait till I see my prayers come true for Westmoreland County to be yeah. this cloud of addiction and this heroin epidemic just to be lifted. I can't wait to see this like constant like crime we're starting to see rising up because broken. of drugs. Yeah. yeah. Because of drugs or whatever. It's just, I can't wait to see it just broken. Sure. And this is going to happen from prayer. And this is where I would say to anybody, whether you're using or you know somebody that's using or struggling or just having a hard time in general. Prayer is powerful. And uh, I can't prove it to you other than just telling my story. But if you want to prove it to yourself, I would say start praying. I think that, yeah. um, Mike, your story is really valuable um, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And I, and I love that. I love that you come at it from a very, uh, a personal place and, you know, from your, from your own experience, I think our listeners can, can take a lot from the, I mean, there, I've been processing a lot while you've been talking. And I think there's a, a lot of different take homes, um, that can spread into all the other fields we've talked about on this podcast, uh, yeah. even outside yeah. of drug use. Sure. So like, um, I think most people that have had any time of experience, going to church or going to yeah. religious things have experienced these disappointing moments in, in leaders yeah. and in, in the scaffolding of organization. And it might kind of scar them and it, it might, yeah. and it might scar them. But I love that, that Mike, you come at things from that personal experience. And so yeah. I guess I would challenge people before you pass judgment on the organization that, you know, try to think through in your mind and separate between uh, you know, are these, are these reasons that I, I find fault yeah. with these organizations? Is it because of, is it because of the reality of what it is or is, is it because of, um, kind of just the scaffolding of how the organization is built? There's a yeah. big, there's a big difference between, I share a lot of the same frustrations that you do, Mike, with church. And yeah. there's a big difference between going into a service and hearing those, the answers that you're supposed to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that really, it kind of perpetuates the problem of not being vulnerable with each other. Sure. Because everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. And this, this goes beyond church. It's just kind of how society is like, mm. I give hundreds of Uber rides a month and the first you thing doing? you say is how you're doing. Great. How about you? Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's sure. Lies every time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm doing great. Yeah. You know, maybe one out of 10 of those people are great. Yeah. It might be okay. Uh, 
so yeah, uh, I just encourage anybody that maybe has felt hurt to, to really think through those situations and try to try to find people that are try to find people that are speaking from that personal experience. Yeah. Your story is really similar to Lacey Lacey's. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I've In heard her is pretty, mm-hmm. pretty much the same too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. There's a, there's something I wanted to say that yes. you, you kind of touched on was yeah. uh, about the reason I think uh, <clears throat> us as, people that are not in an active addiction reaching out to others is a big thing because where I was at and where most addicts are at during the time of their addiction, they won't reach out. They won't reach out for help. They feel so unworthy. Because they can take care of it, right? Or that too, no? They just feel so unworthy. Yeah, that makes sense. Or like to me, I wasn't worth it. I'm not going to waste my breath. Nobody's going to help me. Nobody's going to fix this. And there's so many times where it can work. And this is where you'll see it work and you can see great things come from it. So to that person who has a friend, a family member, do you recommend them to suggest to that person to, hey, reach out, get help, do that, you know, help other than a 13-step program? You mean like like confront? uh, Yeah, maybe, you know, like... Hey Ben, I know you have a problem. I know this guy. Yeah, right. No, whoever. But you know, like, can you reach out to Mike? Can you reach out to you know? I know that this is a oh, face based organization. You're I know saying that, like third yeah, hand. Yeah, sure, definitely. Like, I'm gonna try and get you help myself. If you if you if you have those feelings of unworthiness, I know you're worthy. I know that you can get back on the right track. So I'm gonna try and set you up with. Hey, try this group out or whatever. I mean, is that does that that that's a little tough. Like to I'm, a, I'm a mom or a son sure. or something. I'm not a mom. There, but there's a, <laughs> You're I think, a beautiful mom. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, that's kind of like a, I would say like even a gray area or okay. whatever, because like I'm trying to get you help. Yeah. yeah. That doing that doesn't always work because it's like, Oh God, my mom's like always on my case. Like, get her off uh, my back. And and it's uh, it's annoying. It's yeah. a pain. That's how I met Joe, the guy that really helped me. Oh, yeah. That's still a big help to me. Yeah. And I had met this woman, and we were talking about, like, two different things. Yeah. And she, like, gave Joe my number. And I got a phone call. I'm like, who's this? He's like, Joe, who's this? I'm like, Mike, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> and we talked, and... He was like, I was really like misled, confused. And he's like, meet me at Panera Bread. I'll buy you lunch. I'm hey, like, there you go. Okay. Get some Panera out of it. And I'm willing and to work. I'm willing to meet with anybody over free Panera. Yeah, I'm man. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. <laughs> ben, you want to meet now. <laughs> and, uh, and that was, I was, I kind of went because I was like, eh, at least it's free lunch. Yeah. And not knowing what I was going to get into. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest, greatest things that's ever happened that he really helped me forward. Yeah. I mean, it was, so I I think uh, going, stepping on somebody's toes, if you will, like, hey, this is my son. This is his number. This is his name. You need to call him. I think he's in the drugs. Yeah, yeah. There's, There's 
a lot of good in that, but at the same time, there's a lot of bad in that because mm-hmm. this is something that can also hurt somebody and sure. set them back. It's uh, it's different from each person, from sure. personality types. And uh, that would be something that I would really move with caution towards personally. What would you recommend if, if I, and you know, if, if I'm concerned about that, you know, friend or family member, if I'm concerned and, and, you know, I want that person to, to get help because I know he's leading a destructive life. I mean, I can, uh, from experience where I'm at now, like working with different addicts sure. and alcoholics, I've, from seeing it from one of my mentors, Joe, to seeing it in my own experiences too, like going into people's houses and talking with the parents and them telling me about their kid. Yeah. I can almost tell like, oh yeah, this kid's a, this kid's probably hooked on dope. Sure. And then when I meet the kid, I can usually verify that pretty quickly. You know what's going on. And uh, yeah. You see. And it's just key things that I'm, that I'm like, well, yeah. And, and I don't do that to judge them. I do that to help them. I do that Mm -hmm. to establish, okay, I, I believe there really is a problem here and here are the signs and, I think we need to talk this over and figure out a game plan. And if it's a younger person still living under the roof, interventions are not always the best, but yeah. they do work because it, it does build up the family around that person Yeah, yeah. to where they are preparing themselves and getting to a point where they are on the same page. Yeah. I think I want to, I think I want to wrap this all up. I don't mean wrap this up. I'm sorry. My words are (laughs) escaping me. Uh, I mean, tie this all together. Oh, thank you. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I guess that's kind of the same. Kind of the same. Yeah. We don't have to wrap up yet, but I wanted to to tie this together. because (laughs) One of the other things I was thinking about, Mike, when you're talking through your story. It's the chair. (laughs) It's a very farty chair. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't have wheels. Um. You know, our society, and this is very specific to Western culture, maybe particularly American, North American culture, but it seems to be getting pushed more and more to a very individualist, individualistic type of way that we live. Yeah. Uh, everything from the way our economics are set up, it's very, I mean, look what we're doing here, like... Pretty much, pretty much all the things, I'm not sure about you, but pretty much all the things we're doing is very like entrepreneurial based. Yeah. That's even what the show's about. It's encouraging sure. people to follow their dreams. Follow your dreams, maybe start a business. Or so that's, that's the, po- dreams, yeah. yeah, that's the positive side of it. That the downside is that you tend to become these, everybody's kind of t- being more and more, um, quarantined off into their own Island. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, podcast Island, podcast Island. <laughs> You're, you're stuck Sorry. behind, you're stuck behind a screen viewing everybody else's life, you know, on, on the internet, sure, through, sure. through social media, how great their life is. And yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that last story where, you know, you go into a home and you, you already know the signs, you know, that this person, this, uh, child of the parents is an addict maybe before they do. And, like, how does this relate to um, maybe not having maybe not having a culture that 
is as community based anymore. Or accepting. We're or, we're becoming yeah. so we're becoming so individualistic that we're losing all the benefits of of community, of helping each other out. Of it's all about me and not about the other person. Yeah, yeah. I've said a ton there. Sure. So <laughs> I'd like to hear maybe go at it, Mike. <laughs> I'd like to hear maybe yeah. some of your thoughts if any of those things sure. jump out at you. And you yeah, know, how how can we maybe solve solve some of the addiction problems? Well, so, I mean, there's a lot to be said about being so like, like you had said, individualistic or whatever uh-huh. the word you used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah, you're it, good. It, it, we are separating ourselves, whether it be by a screen, because yeah. if we weren't all sitting around this table doing a podcast together, I'm sure we'd all, at least two out of four would be on our phones. Snapchatting. Yeah. Including myself, you know, Uh, that's pretty accurate. We we do. (laughs) I believe this is a, as a American society, we do separate ourselves from one another in so many different ways to where it is not healthy to where even, even now, like with a problem with such as addiction, you almost feel alone. Like I felt alone. Um, when I was struggling, I really felt alone. And this is where, like I'd said, people won't reach out because yeah. multiple reasons, <clears throat> this could be one of those reasons to where I feel so alone Yeah, in an instant gratification kind of a world where I have separated myself from everybody and I'm not having a personalized relationship with anybody. I'm not worthy of having a good life because of a phone. Yeah. Or right. social media, whatever. It's like these are, I believe those are things that absolutely could be stepping us back from achieving like a goal of coming together for a bigger picture, whether it be for just one single person in a family. Yeah. Or a friend in a group of friends or whether it be a town surrounded by the rest of the town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, the division that we have here in this country from different reasons, from race to wealth, to class in general, to just dealing with like, Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, I'm a agnostic or even in the Christian community. Oh, what denomination are you? Oh, I'm, sure. I don't know. Like, what the hell does that matter? Like, I'm the guy that likes Jesus because he set What's me free that, from this right? crap. Yeah. yeah. And when they, it's like, oh my goodness. Well, I'm Methodist. Oh, well, I'm Baptist. <laughs> cool. Like, what's that matter? Like, yeah. we have this common goal. Like, something that I think about a lot that I really like, that I pray about, that I hope about, that I dream about, that. You dream loud about I, that I dream loud about yeah <laughs> uh, that yeah. I that I would love to see that we have seen in the past there's there's a lot of power when people come together and I think we can all agree on that whether you're religious whether you're satanic for that matter oh boy regardless <laughs> of what you are who sure. you are where you are there's power in numbers there mm-hmm. is so much power in numbers And I know like looking back into our own history, that's in our own history books in 1854, 47, something like that. There was six men in working on wall street, New York 
taking their lunch hour break to pray for people that were struggling with addictions. This is where just six guys for an hour a day would start praying together. And from that, more started coming to where things were getting so bad in America to where we were on the verge of civil war. We were constantly fighting in general, like whether it was the native Americans or the Mexicans, you know, like there's always been this fight here in America and there still is. And you know, these six guys started, like I said, a prayer, a lunch hour prayer every day. And what stemmed from that was a worldwide revival. And I'm not even talking on a biblical standpoint. I'm talking about the un- the unity that came out of it to where towns were banding together, to where they were seeing crime falling apart, to where there was no crime, to where they were disbanding police forces to where towns that were dealing with addiction were receiving counseling that stemmed down from six guys that kept just moving down the line and grew and grew and grew to where they would go to these towns and they'd be like, we have, let's just say, for example, we have 75 people here in this town that are addicted to whatever. And the town came together and they came together as one and they had a common goal of working through this and they pushed through this and they worked through this and uh think we can do that now i think it's gonna be really hard but yeah Yeah. i think we can that's that's my hope that's my prayer and and i and i wanted to say that just because like your question like i think that's like one of our biggest downfalls in this country we are so individualized and we're not united Mm -hmm. by any means we're only united because that's stupid if people are going to hate this podcast, oh, not because of that stupid thing we got to say to the flag when we're in school, the pledge that nobody even remembers what it is. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it is. Well, no, I know you're kidding, but it is. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting that there's so much polarization around a lot of different topics. Yeah, yeah. And instead of instead of the focus, and that's what part of this. This is what we hope this podcast to be. It's yeah. just something for people to kind of get around and and celebrate celebrate our differences and realize sure. that we're all really not that different at the end of the day, that we're all humanity. And yeah. And to be a positive source. And, and I mean, yeah, there's, there's so much negativity out there right now. And yeah, to be a positive corner of the internet and to not, you know, and that whatever it is, you know, like it, it you know, yeah, it's just none of that stuff matters. You know, like you said, it doesn't matter at yeah, the end of the no, day. Does, I mean, yeah. whenever you, yeah. the things that we've talked about, like dealing with addiction and stuff like that, like yeah, the other petty things that we argue about on the internet seem petty. Sure. Compared to this. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, this has been a great conversation. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. For thank you, Mike. Being yeah. Thank awesome. you guys. Uh, I want to give you the final opportunity to maybe shout out anything that you're a part of, uh, that you'd like other people to check out or, or, or even, yeah. If, or final comments or, or see, you know, if you can, anyone else can get help or any, any, you know, reach out or, or anything like that. Yeah. Whatever you want. The plat, the platform's yours. I mean, it's been yours for a while. It's been yours for, you know, a long time, but the, the platform's even more yours now. Cool. Um, yeah, I will say, uh, Whatever you want. So uh, a couple of things. No, like, not that. No, just <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
I just wanted to say like there there's so many programs out there that that really work and really any of them can work. I think it really comes down to if that person is really truly ready, committed and wants to do this. It's a it's a battle. It's a battle for anyone struggling with an addiction. And that's and I'm not even talking about drugs, like yeah, any addiction. Like I mean, I'd love to get on a topic of like a pornography addiction, but that's, sure. I think that's another conversation in itself. That's when we have you back. That's right, because <laughs> that's a that's a whole other thing. But sure, but like it's you know, real. whether you're struggling from a pornography addiction the whole way to like a drug or an alcohol or whatever, I said before, I'll say again, and I'll always say there's so much hope for you there's it's not the end i don't care how bad it is somebody's always gone through worse my story was bad enough for me even though my rock bottom was different than somebody else's it was still my rock bottom and i had to really push and push and push and work to stay clean and it's and it's tough. Everything about it, it was really tough. But for me, like I had said, which you all heard, that I had to have faith to get through what I got through. And I did. And I will say to anybody, the programs that are available for every single person, they work, man. If you work them, they will work for you. And that's from Teen Challenge would be my biggest yeah biggest one i would say and is that the first one you did again no i've never done teen challenge I'm s- oh but you're affiliated with that one yeah no no, <laughs> no. wow <laughs> Samsonite as well. i just it's it's a great program okay. i just know so many yeah, people yeah. that have that have gone through tammy and, went through teen challenge didn't is she? that right tammy yeah oh boy um how come you knew? All- no, I'm, <laughs> I'm like striking out all over the place. You're like, oh yeah, no, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But Teen Challenge. You I know, started like- Teen Challenge. Okay, I was getting way up. There's like, and they're expensive. That's yeah, and that's another topic. Yeah, but, but you know, okay, that's what, the uh, third time we have you on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, there's there are places like man like our church network city reach yeah. city reach network awesome. and i have to yeah, shout great. out the oh, city totally reach. totally it's where it's at if you live near if city you live reach, in west Mullen county in yeah, yeah, city, actually if you live in the tri-state area they've got a you're ton right. of churches well, there, well, reaches, there's yeah. all over the country and even in canada now well, well wow i'll tell yeah. you real fast worldwide we were supposed to hang out one time and, and this is how how dedicated mike is we were supposed to hang out and he said, uh, "You know, hey, c- come on over." And uh, and and Mike felt so bad. I I did. Amanda and I didn't care. Like we were totally fine. Um, but Mike said, "Hey, I have to break." You know, we were we were gonna hang out one night. It was several months ago. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, we were gonna hang out one night, and Mike was very very apologetic. He said, "I have to break it." I, he said, um, "I have a friend, and he you know wants to go into rehab, and he took him to rehab." That night, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Dude, man, like our night's not that important. Like, go yeah. take your friend to rehab, you know? Like, that's real, you know." Mike, how could you break our night? Take take your friend to rehab? No, but that, yeah, but that's just the kind of person Mike is, and that, and and like you said, but the kind of network that City Reach is too. Yeah, in the in the but go on. I'm sorry, pro- or I'm sorry, yeah. the project, the uh, the organization that yeah 
City Reach runs from its network is called the City Reach Hope Home. And uh, to where I believe there's 20 Hope Homes across the nation right now. And I believe there's two in the area. And I believe is that right? No, there's there's two. Yeah. 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 Well, you the one is quite far. Yeah. Yeah. But there's five more that are going to be started up this year. And uh, they're great organizations. (laughs) They're great places to be able to go to get help, to seek help, to this is a place that's really going to challenge you. This is a place that's really going to push you and break you down and show you that there is there is hope that there is a light at the end of the tunnel that there's so much and the nice thing about it that i really like is yeah. the fact that it doesn't cost anything sure the fact that you go there for free i mean you work for the house to help keep the yeah, house yeah. up but it's a, a great. you don't have to drop several thousand dollars right. to go you know, not everything's passage or what's that place called? Oh, Mal- passages Malibu. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen the infomercials. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think too many people get clean there just because it's a pleasure cruise and you can just do whatever you want. It's Malibu. I mean, I yeah. mean, maybe they do. I hope they do. Passages but. Malibu. I've seen the infomercials. <laughs> Watch it like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Let's go to Passages Malibu. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Any other? Any other? places or those, anything else you want to say those to would be anybody? my suggestions i don't want anybody to think that just because my opinion about na and na and Al-Anon are not very good doesn't mean i don't support them yeah if they work for you great they didn't work for me and that's where i stand on that and sure well thanks mike cool that. yeah thanks that's yeah. great that's awesome thank you for being on the show this has been really awesome um as Mike mentioned, you know, you can reach out if you need help. Yeah, um, I mean, any, any ways for, for anyone to, to reach out or, or anything anything of that nature? You can reach out to any of us yeah, on the show. Sure. Uh, reach Do you want to wanna shout out for your uh, Freedom Seekers on Wednesday? Yeah, 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 yeah. think about it. Um, Thanks, dear. You're welcome. That's what I'm here <laughs> I for. I haven't said yeah. anything this whole time, and I was like, he needs to, to talk about that for Finally, a minute. she speaks. I know, right? <laughs> so, yeah, like... So for anybody locally in the Westmoreland County, Greensburg, in the Westmoreland area, County yeah. specifically, or even, or even, or yeah. Or if you don't mind there. driving a little bit. Yeah, come sure. To, it's where worth you, it. you meet in Greensburg? Every right. Wednesday night in Greensburg at a little coffee shop called the White Rabbit at yeah. seven o'clock. Mm, they have good stuff That's Greensburg, too. Pennsylvania. Greensburg, PA. Yeah. Seven o'clock. Yeah. There's a pretty killer coffee shop has some of the best coffee and tea and cookies and, and brownies that you'll pastries. ever have. great oh. Yeah. And the cookies are like, oh, well, there's no big. video, but they're like the size of your head. They're probably, really. they're honestly probably number yeah. one coffee spot. Yes. Yeah. In this in area. The world. I, yeah. I don't drink yeah. coffee and I enjoyed my time there. We had a men's group meeting there too. Yeah. yeah it's a really good place. And uh, yeah, I run a group Another called sponsor. Freedom Seekers that try to help whoever wants to come and uh, seek freedom from whatever that they are struggling with. And, uh, we are open to anybody coming, men, women, young, old, feel what, free. And can anybody reach out to you? Say I'm in a different state. Can anybody reach out to you online or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, think, I think Ben had a good idea. Contact us here on the podcast, you know, come to our Facebook page and look at you. 
and uh, we'll put you in touch with Mike, and he can walk you through whatever or you someone need. else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When this episode drops, we will put some we'll put some links in there yeah. to like and to yeah, some I mean, organizations. Yeah, anyone who would want to reach out or organizations or anything like that, um, you know, feel free to either contact any of us, and you know, someone will get you in touch with the right people. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, as much as you guys like hearing comments, questions, you know, from listeners, like whatever, want to reach out for whatever sure. reason, I'd be more than happy to talk with anybody, meet with anybody. Um, Send them a Snapchat. Yeah. Unless you're somebody crazy and you're just like trying to put me down because I like Jesus. Well, I mean, <laughs> or something was false that I said. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but you're looking to help. <clears throat> that yeah. includes August Burns Red for uh, quoting that song. <laughs> I Googled it. It was salt and light. Ah, wow. Salt. You're welcome. How about that? Thank you, Amanda. It's awesome. You know, what's so cool is um, on Neil the Mix, it's a mixing community that I'm a part of. August Burns Red was this month. Oh, you're right. Yeah. It was this yeah. month. Cool. Yeah. A song from their new album, which I can't remember. Anyways, it's not important. <laughs> I just I'll, thought it was I'll interesting my, how I'll it all came around. It up. But yeah, Ma- Mike, for the third and final time, thank you for being on yeah, the show. Thank you. Yes, Absolutely. This yeah, is this great. Is awesome. And, and listeners, just like Mike mentioned, you know, there is hope. Yeah. This has been a really encouraging podcast. Uh, we love you guys. And yeah. we wish you all, all the best. And like we've said multiple times, please reach out if you do need help. And, you know, don't, don't feel like this is the end or you're not worthy. Sure. Uh, you're, yeah. you're a human being and you are valuable no matter what you've gone through. Yes. Yeah. Life. Um, so guys have a, have a great week and we hope that we've encouraged you to dream loud. Wow.